Hey, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Wednesdays with Watson podcast. It is March the 1st of 2022. And the last couple of days, I simply have not been able to get out of my mind the importance of protecting my peace. As the events of the world unfold, I think it's also important for you, my trauma tribe, those who love us, and even just citizens of the world to understand the importance of protecting our peace. So let's step into the healing zone as I attempt to talk with you about how I am attempting to regulate my own nervous system, some things I am doing to protect my peace, and the importance of doing that for all of us. So let's step into the healing zone as we attempt to do that today. I stood in my kitchen and I was pacing because my hands were shaking. And after the 12th phone call, I was out of energy, I was out of tears, and I was out of the ability to speak another single word. Because you see, after the 12th person on those phone calls that I had to tell, they no longer had a job. I just dropped my phone and tears began to flow. And I began wondering what my life would look like as I was convinced that I had lost a 26-year career. The month of March will never be the same because many of us remember March of 2020 when the world was turned on its ear and nothing felt safe. And for a while, that feeling was actual reality as many navigated the crooked road of uncertainty and fear as a microscopic virus yielded macroscopic consequences. We were all charged with our part. We obeyed the safer at home orders and all the things that came after it. Some of those things only caused division and strife and more situations where our safety felt compromised and our hearts were broken because of the death of so many and more and more civil unrest. I find myself still in this place today as we are nearing a grim milestone with almost a half a million COVID-related deaths in America alone. I've lost count of the amount of people who have lost their lives to injustice and now we have an entire continent on the brink of what many fear will be a global conflict, perhaps even a world war. The Wednesdays with Watson podcast has listenership all over the world, including much of Eastern Europe. Today we find ourselves in unfamiliar waters. For the generations of today, by and large, we have no context for the current events. Some of us only know of such global trauma from history books. So here we are, a traumatized people somewhere near the end of the pandemic, as I mentioned, having realized almost 500,000 COVID-related deaths in America alone. Civil unrest has rocked our worlds, and many of us find ourselves paralyzed, unable to move. The unrest and the injustice in Eastern Europe is hard to watch. The threats cut us deeply, and we worry about safety, and everything inside of us results. And at some point, the fear and lack of felt safety commandeers our entire beings. There is one thing true today, March 1st, 2022, and this is a message to anyone out there, not just those of us with PTSD or those that love us. Because you see, guys, it's all too much. We simply were not created to bear such global trauma and civil unrest. It touches the very core of our fears. We long for safety within not just our families, but our communities. As an American, perhaps the events in Europe are a little less scary because we watch them unfold from the safety of our homes, often on huge flat-screen TV hung on walls of homes that many in the world cannot even dream of having. 
Yet for me, a complex post-traumatic stress disorder patient, my world is rocked, my brain is full, and I am out of tears. Watching the world fall apart is scary, and many of us need help navigating some of these uncertain and scary waters. Besides fear, a prominent emotion is that of empathy for those who have suffered and who are suffering. And if we are not careful, empathy alone can serve as a fray in the fabric of our beings. And empathy overload can and will take us to places we don't want to go. And the road back is so, so difficult. So, how then shall we live? Not only those with PTSD, but as citizens of the world. How do we live in a world that is not safe? How do we continue to thrive despite all of it? And how can we protect our peace? Because you see, peace is essential. And without it, all of us are living subpar lives. And you better believe that our bodies are keeping the score. In his book, Take Your Life Back, John Eldridge suggests a few ways we can protect our peace. Eldridge released this book prior to the pandemic, but it has become a staple for many of us as the principle of taking our lives back from the things that steal our peace is a welcome principle, a welcome truth, and one that I hope that I can help you do today. Eldridge suggests a few practical ways to do this, and he has even developed an app called the One Minute Pause that is effective for us to stop, refocus, and for just a minute at first, though you can get longer periods of time where you recite a simple prayer. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. The app notifies you twice a day. I have found, though, that I ignore the notification more than I actually stop and give everything to Jesus. It is so easy to swipe that notification away, and in doing so, a little part of me stays activated, as I still think that my shoulders were meant to carry the burdens of the whole world. Eldridge notes that our souls were not created to bear the burdens of the whole world, but only that of our village, our people, if you will. Taking this time, twice a day, helps us remember that it all belongs to God anyway, that we are impotent to do anything about the world around us, but our bowed heads are potent and effective if for no other reason than to calm our own nervous systems down. I love the lyrics of the old Rebecca St. James song, On My Knees, my favorite lyric. I don't know how, but there is power when I'm on my knees. I do find it ironic that Eldridge and his people created an app to go along with a book that is imploring us to walk away from our phones and take our lives back. But a large premise of the book is just that, walk away from all the information that sits in that computer in your pocket. It has been said that we are walking around with more powerful computers in our pocket than it took to send the first space shuttle into space. The average person picks up their phone 80 times a day. That means we have real-time global information at the tips of our fingers at all times. The only thing separating us from this information is perhaps some willpower and the occasional dead phone battery. Eldridge notes that our brains are not meant to receive massive amounts of information from those computers in our pockets. We tax our brains, and since that is ground zero for our entire beings, consuming too much information about anything it's going to place us in a spot where our peace is not protected, our mind can't rest, and the fallout is real. Years ago, Rick Warren suggested this about our cell phones. Divert daily. Put your phone away, usually for an hour a day. 
withdrawal weekly. This one is a little bit more difficult. It's a day that we set our, our phones aside where we have minimal screen time. And finally, abandon annually for an entire week. That is a difficult thing to do. But I have successfully done this for two years now. And during those times, I find my heart more at peace and my time better spent intentionally caring for myself and my nervous system. My brain is not taxed and I am a better version of myself with PTSD often in its place at bay. And my body thanks me. This concept of protecting your peace with intentionality to not consume the news is one that I promise will help you as it has me. Put your phone down and you will protect your peace. Secondly, Eldridge suggests a concept called benevolent attachment. This is the concept of separating ourselves from the events in the world that are not ours to carry. Eldridge speaks of a bunch about soul care and how our souls are not meant to carry the burdens of the entire world. We are simply not wired to do so. And empathy overload is a thing. And it is a thing that will not be ignored. And so for the PTSD patient, this concept of letting go of that which is not ours is paramount. And the ability to make the decision alone is evidence of healing. We want to protect that healing. And so we must know when to detach from those things that are not ours. And I'm finding that is most things in this world. Again, I am reminded of the power that I have when I am on my knees. It is not lost on me that most people suffering from PTSD had their power stripped from them at one point. And we have the ability to gain it back by holding an audience with God, the only one who can fix any of this. That truth alone can cause some confusion. But I promise you, while your faith is hard to find... You can borrow mine. Peace from the star of the story is real. He promises that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. We see that in Hebrews 12.1. This is especially true in the midst of crisis, internally and globally. Typically, if you're living with trauma and are an empath, breaking news from around the world serves to trigger you and make you deeply sad. If you are like me and suffer from PTSD or any of its friends, I beg you to be mindful of the information you're consuming, not just from your phone, but from other news sources as well. Let's talk about how consuming disturbing global news impacts those of us with trauma. I am of the belief that consuming the news steals everyone's peace, but particularly those of us with trauma. What happens to us when we watch these things playing out literally, sometimes in real time, right in front of us? There is a psychological concept called vicarious trauma. One source quotes vicarious trauma is a process of change resulting from empathetic engagement with trauma survivors. Anyone who gauges empathetically with survivors of trauma, incidences of torture, and material related to trauma is potentially affected. Another, public, another publication calls this repeated exposure to adverse details of traumatic events. I'm going to read that again. Repeated exposure to adverse details of traumatic events. That is equal to the news, guys. This term is often used in terms of the context of therapists taking on the trauma of their patients. So we know absorbing the trauma of others is a real issue. And you can see why repeated exposure to dramatic global events can be detrimental to any of us, especially those of us with existing trauma. The symptoms of this vicarious trauma are broken into five categories, and I wonder how many of these are familiar to you. Persistent feelings of grief, anxiety, and sadness, irritability, and anger, 
being easily distracted, changes in mood and sense of humor, and feeling isolated and unsafe. If you're experiencing these things, it's time to pay attention. It's time to make a change. Again, you are not made to consume such, re- such relentless sadness, death, and destruction. Furthermore, we are all impotent when it comes to changing some of these occurring events. And so again, I ask, how then shall we live? What about those of us that feel the need for information so that we won't be blindsided with all the bad news at once? I know this is something that I struggle with. Sometimes not knowing can feel worse than consuming the information. Seemingly without the ability to to metabolize it as it comes at me at the speed of light. I will tell you it does take discipline to put into practice, but I promise you that not knowing is better than knowing. You cannot unsee what you see and you cannot unhear what you can hear. I love that old song, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little ears what you hear, be careful little feet where you go. So, I have a trusted friend who keeps me generally updated and only provides information that may immediately affect my safety. Otherwise, ignorance is truly bliss for the trauma tribe. And when I do this, peace rules and my body thanks me. Thirdly, elders encourage us to get outside. The World Health Organization projects that we spend over 93% of our time inside. Making a concerted effort to get outside changes the subject, engaging a different part of your brain as you scan your surroundings for beauty. Your lungs get filled with that much-needed fresh air. You're way, way more likely to consume deep breaths of relief rather than the short breaths that are indicative of your activated nervous system. While you're outside, if you can, tangibly touch the earth. Pick a flower. Grab those weeds that have been driving you crazy. Or get your toes in, in the sand. And my favorite, find a body of water. There I find peace. And while I realize I live in a state surrounded by water... Some of you have mountains, and others of you have both. Some of you have deserts. All of it is gorgeous. Either way, paying attention to beauty of the earth restores any peace that you have lost and also adds to it. Eldred cites beauty hunting as a way to get our lives back, and I could not agree more. There is a fun fact about the treatment modality that I talk about a lot, and we will continue to talk about EMDR. EMDR was created by Francine Shapiro after a walk in Central Park. The power of God's creation on your brain and body is really difficult to measure. I know what some of you are thinking. Your energy is depleted, and the thought of even getting ready to go outside is overwhelming to you. But I promise you it's worth it. Even better, take a short walk. Moving your body helps clear toxins both physical and in your brain. Sometimes it's all about that first step. Sometimes that first step is the hardest one. But each step after that is easier. If you can get outside, at least try to find a place where you can see outside, where you can intentionally beauty hunt and give your brain the rest and peace it deserves. Finally, Eldridge gives us permission to allow our souls to be human. This means it's okay to take the one-minute pause. It's okay to detach yourself from sadness that is not yours. And it's okay to take time to get outside and look for beauty of the world. Our souls need this. And for the trauma patient, your nervous system will thank you. And you will not push your brain outside that window of tolerance we often discuss and will discuss more in the coming days. 
I know what you're thinking. All of this sounds good in theory, but more difficult to put into real life practice. But we must. It is essential. God did not create us to live in such activated states all the time. Jesus's completed work on the cross came at a heavy price for him, but a great benefit for us. Jesus promised that we would have trouble in this world in Matthew 16, 33, but he also told us to take heart because he has overcome the world. Do we really believe that? He told us in Matthew eleven twenty eight that we can rest, that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light. He reminds us in 1 Peter 5, 7 to give him all of our burdens that he cares for us. We also know that he understands our sufferings and promises that it isn't for nothing. Romans 8, 18 promises that the suffering of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Often we use these scriptural principles for ourselves and forget, though, that these promises are also true for those around the world for whom we empathize, but must attach ourselves actively, realizing this is not a burden we can bear, but we can take it to the star of the story, because he is the star of everyone's story. Protecting our peace in a world that is without it also requires us to understand the concept of rest, and right now you may need more of it than you did before, and you must give yourself permission to rest. So many times, those of us with PTSD and any of its friends don't recognize rest as an issue that we must pay attention to, just as if we were physically ill. Many times, we are less guilt-ridden when we rest if the doctor or a thermometer tells us to do so. But what about when your trauma tells you to rest? What about when the world's trauma has gotten you and demands that you rest? Because you see, rest brings peace. I love Exodus fourteen fourteen. You be still. I will fight your battles for you. Surely the battle of the pandemic, civil unrest, or the conflict in Europe aren't ours individually to fight, but the effect on us is our battle, and simply resting in the sovereignty of God brings peace. And so I hope that you will take time today to take care of your mental health, protect your peace by getting your life back, keep your peace by handing it back to the one that it belongs to anyway, the Prince of Peace and the reason that we can have it. Finally, remember the promises of Isaiah 43. Go read it. I promise you'll be encouraged. You are not alone, and you never will be. While this world seems unbearable, know that we have been given everything that we need to not just survive, but thrive. It is my prayer, those of you out there who are suffering or have lost your peace, will take life back and hand it to the king of the world who knows you better than you know yourself. He loves you, and he loves me, as all the people in the world that are suffering. We don't understand suffering, but we understand the truth of Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I know there are those of you who do not share my faith in the star of the story, the one that gave his life so that we can have the peace that passes all understanding. If you would like to get to know him, I would like to help you. Just press that contact Amy button in the show notes. I do not get behind this mic with this message today and pretend any of it is easy. But I do know that practicing some of these things will help us get our peace back, and it will help us protect our peace. Whether it is your trauma speaking or you are at critical mass with the sadness of the world, it is imperative that we all hand it over to the one that can and is perfecting all that is concerning not only us, but the citizens of the world. 
So before you pick up that computer in your pocket or you consume the news from around the world, think twice and protect your peace. And know that it is promised to you in Isaiah 26, 3, where the Bible says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in me. Do you trust him? If not, my prayer is that you will and that you will live in peace. Protect it as a valuable commodity that it is, remembering the heavy price Jesus paid so that we could have it. And as we are tempted to indict him for the sufferings of the world, we remember again that he promised this suffering in John chapter 16, but that he also promised to be our ever-present help in trouble in Psalms. He promised that we can hide under the shadow of his wings in Psalm 91, under the cleft of the rock, and again, an ever-present help in trouble. Draw near to him today, guys. He is waiting with open arms for your exhausted self to collapse into his arms. And as you are there, he reminds you by his scars that he is not unfamiliar with these sufferings. Run to the Father, y'all. It is hope. Hope and peace will rule your heart and mind, and you will then realize the abundant life in spite of circumstances. I promise it's true, y'all. Give it a try. Take your life back. Protect your peace. And be sure to share it with others. And one more thing, and this is the reason you should always protect your peace. Here it is. You know it by now. You are seen. You are known. You are heard. You are loved. You are valued. Everyone in the world is all of those things. And when we draw near to the cross, we are drawing near to the one that longs to give us comfort. He wants us to give him our cares. He asks for them. He can handle them because he cares for you. And he cares for those for whom our hearts break. Finally, remember your true power comes on your knees in the war room. Speaking of that, if I can pray for you in any way, it would be my honor to do that. Just hit that contact Amy button and let me know. And I will definitely be in prayer for you. I would also love to hear if any of you will take me up on Rick Warren's challenge. How many of you will heed the advice of John Eldridge? Will you take your life back and protect your peace? If you are joining me in this endeavor, I would love to hear about it. Again, just hit that contact Amy button. Until next week, I pray that you continue to take steps towards healing and protecting your peace. We will see you here in the Healing Zone next week with a recap of trauma and the Enneagram. After that, we will begin to explore trauma in the home, particularly as it pertains to childhood trauma. We will have stories of hope and knowledge of professionals for that series, so you're not going to want to miss it. Make sure you're following or subscribed to the podcast or follow me on Instagram. Again, that contact Amy button so that you are aware of all of these episodes. I wish you peace today, guys. I wish that you would protect your peace today. Until then, I will say it again. You are seen, you are known, you are heard, you are loved, and you are valued. Let my life glorify you and teach me to walk beside you I want to be more like you, so let my life be.